Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osban, here with my friend and Chavruta, Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachat Sukkah, daf mem, page 40. We have a little over two weeks left to our wonderful Masachat, which I think was really different than our previous Masachtot. We will be releasing some Siam information soon. We're just finalize a couple of details. Uh, so please pay attention to that. Uh, now we'll get straight to today's daf. So our daf is continuing its discussion around using produce or items that have Kedushat Shvit, right? That are, um, you know, that have the sanctity of being on the Shemitah year. And again, as Anne and I talked about yesterday, we really love this stuff because this is actually what's coming up on Rosh Hashanah of this year that we will be entering a Shemitah year. And so the Gemara continues its discussion of the Mishnah about a lulav that can be purchased from an Am Haaretz during the Shemitah year. So the reason that this lulav can be purchased from an Amaharetz during the Shemitah year is because it's a lulav of the sixth year that's entering the seventh year. So in other words, it's a lulav that really is a six-year lulav, even though it's going to be used on the Shemitah year, right? And so from this, we learn what? That a lulav of the seventh year has the holiness, has the Kedusha of a Shemitah year, Amai, right? So the question is, why is it considered to be Kadosh? And now they're going to explain a little bit what they mean by this. In other words, there's something specific. The etrog, we understand. It's a fruit. Of course, it should be Kadosh, the Shvid etrog of the Shemitah year. But why is this Lulav, the Lulav of the seventh year of the Shemitah year, why does it have any Kedusha? And the question is, why? Eitzim ba'almahu, right? Don't we consider that that palm, right? That lulav, it's just a tree, right? And what do we know? The etzim ain't by hamishum kedushat shvid. Trees do not have kedushat shvid. So that's the first thing to pay attention to here. Then when we talk about kedushat shvid, when we talk about the kedusha that certain produce has, that certain things that grow from the ground have, eats trees, wood, are an exception to that. We don't say that they have kedushat shvid. And how do we know that? Um, and they're going to quote here of Raisa, right? Ditznan, Alei kanim v'alei gefanim shegibvan l'chuba al So if we had reed leaves and vine leaves that are piled for storage in a field, right? Liktan l'achila, if they were gathered for eating, yesh v'ahem mishun kedushat shvit. Then they do have the kedushat shvit. Liktan le'itim, but if they were gathered just to be used as wood, right? Meaning you were going to burn them, something like that, they do not have the Kedushat Shvit. And so the, this section here, particularly with this Brisa, teaches us something that's very important about Shemitah and the Kedusha of Shemitah. That Kedusha is there for things eat. But if you're going to use it for something else that's non, not, not for an eating purpose, not for a consumption purpose of eating, it doesn't have Kedushat Shvit. And so the Gemara goes on to say, Shani Hatam, it's different there, maybe in the case of the reed and the vine leaves, to Amarkra, because the Pasuk says specifically in Vayikra, chapter 25, verse 6, Lachem Laachla, right? That it needs to be for you similar to food. And what does Lachem mean? Lachem Dumya de Laachla, right? It means that for you means similar for food, that the Kedushat of Shemitah only takes place on things that what? that are going to be like for food, right? 
And so in other words, it has to be, right, something whose benefit and whose consumption coincide. In other words, the benefit from it come also from its consumption. Yatsu eats him, but what is excluded? Why? Shahanatan achar biuran. Because its benefit, this is what it literally means, is after, is subsequent to its consumption. In other words, the primary purpose of kindling wood, right, is not necessarily through the burning of the wood. It's actually from the charcoal. So in other words, the idea is, is that you burn the wood and then those wood coals that are afterwards, right, that's what heats the oven. That's actually why the person kindles the word and wood. And since the benefit of the wood is after the consumption of the wood, that's why wood doesn't actually have any Kedushat Shvit. It doesn't have sanctity of a sabbatical year. But this case of the reeds and the vines is actually a little bit different. Wood is really in its own separate category because it falls under this category of Shahanatan Achar Biuran. That its benefit is after it's actually burned, actually after it's consumed. So again, we're learning a lot of halachot here about shvit that are really different. So lulav is not going to necessarily fall into this category. Wood is its own a- actual category. And then finally, I'm going to read one little section here by Ika Eitzim de Mishkan, right? So the Gemara now wants to object to this line of thinking and says, but isn't there wood that's used for heat, right? And when it's used for heat, not for coals, then then the benefit can, coincides with its consumption. Amarava, Saraba says, Stam right? We're talking about undesignated wood that's used for fuel, meaning it's used for charcoal. Lahasaka hain omdin, right? And in that case, when we're talking about wood that's used just for charcoal, right? That is when its benefit is after its consumption. That never acquires kedushat shvit. And so then the Gemara is going to go on to talk a little bit more about a machlokas of the Tanaim about this etzim lahasaka, the kindling of wood, where the benefit is apps is apps is after its consumption, after it's actually burned and whether it is subject to the Kedushat of Shvi, the Kedushat of Shemitah, is actually a machlokas of the Tanaim. I'm not going to read that, but it goes through that whole thing. But I think what I want everyone to pay attention to here is this very interesting notion, which is there's something about Shemitah that's tied up to eating and that type of benefit. But when we're talking about wood, you're using it really for charcoal. And again, this Hanatan, Achar Biuran, maybe, and again, this is the Machlokas of the Tanaim, maybe we're not going to give it the Kedusha of Shvit. So I think it's interesting to see that there seems to be, or at least to some Tanaim, that Shemitah may be tied more to the concept of Achila or where you get its benefit and not necessarily apply just to produce in general. And I think that's a really different thing that I haven't thought about uh, of Shemitah. And I'm happy to be thinking about it a little bit more because we know that a Shemitah year is coming up. So I feel like it's been a while since I've pointed out that this is one of those, you know, the phenomenon of learning Gemara, where to know anything, you have to already know everything, and how the Gemara presupposes that we know everything that the Gemara is making reference to. And then it crossed my mind that the fact is, if we had started at the beginning, I mean, we did start at the beginning with Brachot, but if we continued through all of the Mishnah from the beginning of Brachot, we would have past Masachat Shvi'it, right? Meaning it's in the Seder's rhyme of the Mishnah and there's Yerushalmi on it, there's no Bavli on it, so there's no Dafyomi on it for the Bavli cycle. 
so we don't know these things that the Gemara presupposes that we know, which of course involve things like the fact that wood is its own category when it comes to Shvit, when it comes to the laws of Shemitah, which, you know, you, you, we've been talking about how these things grow from the ground, so therefore they're subject to Shemitah, but it's really not that simple. And again, you know, we have to know everything to, to really embark on anything. So I would say, you know, you're Danny, you say it's good that we're having it now as a nice mister before the year begins Shemitah, but I think there's also something of benefit to be able to hit these topics that do appear in the Mishnah and in the Talmud Yerushalmi, but do not appear in the ba- Talmud Bavli in a direct way because because we don't have Masach- we don't have Talmud Bavli and Masachet Shvi'it. So therefore, getting it in a roundabout way at least gives us these, you know, access to this kind of halacha, even if it's uh, stuff we're learning by the by instead of already in a, you know, more um, direct fashion, I would say. Um, right. Okay. I, I agree with that. And I think that's one of the challenges about the Bavli is that we don't have these masechtot that are just dedicated, you know, to all the agricultural law. Right, right. Okay, so I want to, let's carry on with some discussion of the agricultural law. Uh, I'm now on Amad Bet. Amad Rabbi Lazar, Elazar, Ein Shvit Mitchalelet Eladar Mekach, Mikach, really. Um, right, the idea here is that when you've got produce from your Shemitah year, it has Kedusha. And once something has Kedusha, well, if it's produce, you can eat it like that's one of your options of what you can do with it. But what if you have a large enough farm? You're not going to eat everything. So now what are you going to do? You can't engage in commerce over your eat, you know, stuff in a in a normal way because that's the whole point of the Shemitah year, right? But on the other hand, how can you get, you can't, what are you supposed to do with this produce that has Kedusha, right? Once something has Kedusha, you have to dispose of it in certain ways. You have to handle it in certain ways. That's the whole point of it having Kedusha. So the Gemara here says, or Rebbe in particular says, that the way you deconsecrate Shvi'it, the way you get the Kedusha out of it, so to speak, is only via purchase. Meaning, you might think that you can redeem the value of that Kedusha onto a coin or onto some other object, and now that will be Kadosh, and you'll do something with that, but you'll have removed the Kedusha from this produce here, and you can carry on, you know, I don't know, and handle it in a normal way. But the but this in this case, the answer is no. Right? Just saying that you've, tr- like usually you recite, like a, I'm transferring the Kedusha of this thing onto this coin, let's say for Maser, for Maser Shani, for Maser Ani, for like any of these things that you could tr- transfer the Kedusha, you get to say these statements and it has effect. But once you've got Kedusha Shvi'it, it's not sufficient to, to utter a statement and then think that that's going to be enough to transfer the Kedusha. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, ben mechach, ben silo. So Rabbi Yochanan says, he takes a more lenient opinion, I guess. And he says that he you can deconsecrate both by means of, of a, a transfer of ownership, that's purchase, or derech silo, which means the redemption, you know, this idea that you can redeem the value of the Kedusha onto a coin or onto some kind of other thing. I, I choose Master Shani as the general example because when you re- when you redeem your Kedusha onto your Master Shani coin, then theoretically what you can do, I mean, at the time of the Beta Mikdash anyway, you could you could then take that money, take it to the Beta Mikdash or take it to Yerushalayim rather, m- purchase food, 
and sit down to a kadosh meal, a holy meal in the city of Jerusalem, and you've done your job with regard to this Maser Shani. It doesn't work nowadays. Nowadays, you redeem the value of the Kedusha onto your Maser Shani coin, and then when the Shemitah comes, you're supposed to actually destroy that coin. You know, people, it's like the equivalent of, you know, putting it on the railroad tracks or something, so that it doesn't have, it can't be misused as regular money, because it's not money, it's it's a metal coin that holds the Kedusha of all the Kedusha that you've transferred onto it over all the time that you've been transferring Master Shani onto a coin, which sounds circular. And the fact is, people don't always do this nowadays because there's these, you know, big farms that that do it for you. So you go to the supermarket or the Makolet or the Shuk or whatever, and there's a certificate that says the Truman and Maestro have already been taken here, or this is has whatever different various status. We'll talk about this, I'm sure, as the Shemitah approaches, you know, in the context of the Shemitah year. Um, whereas, as opposed to um, doing it yourself, right? Where if it's your own garden, you're still going to do it yourself. Every time I need to do it, I call my friends who have their own trees, and I say, okay, what am I supposed to do here? Because I tend to forget because I don't do it often enough. Okay, now, what is the rationale here for Rebel Lazar? Meaning Rebel Lazar's position where you, he says you can't redeem the value of that Kedusha. Where is he coming from that you could say that? He's got a verse from Vayikra, from Leviticus chapter 25. This is in this year of the Jubilee, right? And the idea is that this is what happens in the Yovel year. Everything is returned to the person who, who once owned it, right? And attached to, juxtaposed really to that verse, we have another verse, also Vayikra Kafei, that if you sell an item to your neighbor, right? So that's derech mekach. That's a matter of transfer of ownership. The low derech And there's no mention of any redeeming of, of Kedusha, meaning on the one hand, we've got the, the property going back to the original owner. That's the Yovel Pasuk verse. And then there's the idea of selling the item. So his position is that that's what you need, right? You need to be able to lose your own ownership, your own claim over it, to give it over to somebody else, you have to do it with Mekach. Rabbi Yochanan might tell likewise, we have to ask, why does Rabbi Yochanan say both of them? Why will he allow both processes? He yovel, he kadosh. So Rabbi Yochanan has a verse also from Vayikah, but the next chapter, he says when yovel, it is a holy time, it's a consecrated time. Ma makodesh, sorry, ki yovel, he kodesh. What's ma kodesh? Ben derech mekach, ben derech hilo. It's kodesh, it's holy, however which way it came to be. It, you know, it doesn't matter whether it was via a transfer of ownership of sale or transfer of ownership by redeeming, by uh, uttering a statement which redeems the value. Af shvi'it, ben derech mekach, ben derech hilo. So he's going to take that same logic and say, you've got, you've got the kodesh, you've got this sanctity regardless, and it's going to work in either which direction. So, the Gemara goes on to ask, you know, what are they each going to do with the other verse? And I, I'm going to jump down for that, meaning like they, they both have other verses to rely on to come up with to defend their positions, because that is how the Gemara works, certainly at its best. Um, but I want to jump down to where we've got a Breita, Tanya Kavate de Lazar, Tanya Kavate de This dispute between them um, has kind of firm lines drawn in the sand that we can trace back. So we've got a bright that lines up with Rebbe Lazar. What does it say? That Shvi'it um, has this effect. It will take effect 
on the meha, on money, on or the value of, of an item, right? Um, the idea being that it's going to be an exchange for whatever the produce was going to be. Because, and he's using this verse, which was the verse that Rabbi Hudi, uh, was, I'm sorry, that Rabbi Yochanan was using. It should be a sanctified time. So the same way that the that the Yovel will um, end up with consecrated money, um, which you can't use really, right? So too the Shvi'it will take effect on the money, and you can't use it um, except for those rare, you know few cases where it would actually be permitted. And um, and then the Gemara goes on. Or perhaps you could just say that the same way that the consecrated items, right, the way the money works with it is that they end up being redeemed and then you can, like, remove that kedusha. You can remove that consecrated status and it could go, you can then use the item, right? The same way you could do that in the context of other consecrated items, then that should work for shvi'it also. Talmud Lomar, so the verse says it it will be it will be it shall be as it is, meaning even though the kedusha of shvit, you know, will take effect on the money, according to this position, the food itself, the produce itself, will remain consecrated as well. So this ends up being a little bit of a complicated back and forth, and I'm struck, I think, by the comparison to your Danny. You'll remember better than I, I think where we saw it, but we've seen ah, maybe in Shkalim, maybe in Pesachim, we saw a lot of discussion of redeeming the value, of deconsecrating something, specifically Karbanot, right? If you end up with a blemish on your animal, and what are you supposed to do with it? And and so I feel like it's so different, meaning Shvit and Karbanot are really not the same, and yet in this idea that something has been designated to be Kadosh, whether it's designated by virtue of the fact that now it's the seventh year, or by virtue of the fact that you've designated your korban to be a korban, um, this idea that every so often you need to kind of, there's a very practical need here to remove the kedusha in order to be able to function. And while this is perhaps less practical for us nowadays, I do think that this is like a, a theme or a topic that runs throughout because because it was so prominent of a of a real um, palpable kedusha in you know. It, it, we the idea, you know, in English, holiness is kind of an amorphous, abstract idea. But in halacha, when you're talking about physical items, whether you're talking about an animal, you're talking about your produce from the ground that now has kedusha that you cannot use in a regular way because you have to treat it bikdusha. Um, we end up with really, like as I say, a practical conundrum that has to be handled, and that is a lot of what the gemara here on this stuff is doing. And I think the emphasis or the point of the stuff is all, was really to tell us, Anne, that, you know, Kedusha Shvit is serious and it's like its own level of Kedusha. And yes, we have examples with produce, like think about Master Shani, Master Ani, uh, which you had to redeem because there was no way you could bring it the value up to, you couldn't bring the produce up to your Shalim, it would usually rot beforehand. Um, and yes, you were right in Pesachim and in Shkalim, there were those discussions about what do you do if the animal gets a moom or you sacrifice the wrong animal, how do you transfer the Kedusha? But it seems pretty clear from here that Kedusha Shvit is really its own separate category. And I'm curious to see, even though we talked about how we don't have its own Masachat here, um, 
are we going to learn more about this as we continue through the Bavli itself? Yeah, I do think that's an interesting question, especially because we don't have the direct attention that we would have in a Masachet dedicated to it. Well, that's our DAF discussion for the day. Bring us reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAF on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.